And if you see that verse there in your outline or in your Bible, let's read that verse together, all right? Everybody see the verse here? Here we go. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What a great verse. And, of course, we all know that that is uh, really making a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but, you know, it's one thing to say you're a friend, but it's another to be a friend. And this morning, we want to talk about being a true friend, because I think true friends are a precious treasure. And I, I hope, I pray that not only you have true friends, but that you are a true friends to others. And of course, the greatest example that we have is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the most faithful friend. And I love that verse again, greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life. That's what Jesus did for us. And certainly we don't deserve it, but he, but he loved us. And so when we, we extend our love, uh, his love to others, and we're a friend to others, what are we doing? We're helping our friends to grow in the Lord. That's one of the things that I always like to do as a Christian is, and as a friend to others, is to help others to grow in the Lord. And we not only want to have the right friends, but we want to be a right friend. And so that's what the lesson is about today. How do we be a right friend? What is a friend to others? All right. Four things this morning. Number one, a friend is encouraging and edifying. A friend, a true friend, what does he do? He or she lifts someone up, doesn't tear them down. A true friend will help someone but not hurt them. A true friend is one that encourages others and not discourages them. A true friend is one that edifies, we'll talk about that word here in just a minute, but doesn't diminish them. See, we want to be a true friend. So these two aspects, notice first of all, a friend is encouraging. I love the word encourage. It means literally to inspire with hope, courage, or confidence. And, and that's even uh, American Heritage Dictionary's definition of that word there. But it's a wonderful definition there to inspire someone. See, everybody in life has low days, down times. Anybody ever had one of those? You know, a bad day, we oftentimes call it. And sometimes we just need someone to come along and inspire us, or in other words, give us a reason to keep going. Give, give us a reason to face a new day, and we can be a friend to others. And, and one of the ways that we can be a friend to them is with our words. We've talked about this in the past. Words are very powerful. And our words can be used to encourage others. Proverbs 25, 11, look at the verse. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs 15, 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? Uh, saying the right thing at the right time. Uh, we can encourage people by our words, and an encouraging word from a friend, you know what it does? Look here, it'll make all the difference in their lives. Uh, I find many times, uh, it, 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 maybe you're like me, sometimes I'll go out, maybe we'll stop somewhere to eat, and while I'm out, you can, are you like me, are you observant? A lot of times you can just tell that your waiter 
or your waitress is having a bad day. You know, and a lot of times when I see that, what I try to do is I try to give them a word to encourage them. And, and a lot of times, I, this is what they'll say back to me. Boy, thank you so much for just, for just saying something kind to me. I, I've just had such a rough day. Uh, you could be that way to your boss. Uh, maybe, maybe your boss never hears. A, maybe, maybe a law enforcement, you might see a police officer or somebody out in public, and you might just walk up to them and say, hey, listen, just want you to know I appreciate you. You're being a friend to others, and you can encourage them by your words. Your words can make all the difference. The Bible gives many different records of, of uh, instances where people needed encouragement. Look at this one here in Exodus 17 and verse 11 and 12. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands the one on the one side and the one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You know what Moses' friends did for him? They encouraged him. They were there for him, supporting him. And look, even Jesus, with, those, with that ragtag group of disciples, what did he do? Time and time and time again, he encouraged them. Jesus knew they needed to hear a word. Listen to what he said in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God? Believe also in me. He was encouraging them. Look, we have to determine in your life, look, don't wait for somebody to do it to, to you. Determine to be a friend. Well, how do we do that? To encourage others. Uh, encourage them in, in ways that, that, that would lift their spirits. See, a true friend is a friend that is encouraging. But notice, secondly, and I love this word, a friend is edifying. Now, the word edify means to build. Uh, so many things and so many people in life, you know what they do? They tear people down. And a Christian ought never be in the business of tearing someone down. Uh, it, it saddens my heart years ago when I first got saved and, and, and started attending a Bible-believing church, there was, there was this kind of this, uh, uh, I don't really know what you call it, a, a, a bad disposition among a lot of churches where they were, they, they were like looking for people that had done things wrong so that they could toss them out of the church. And I thought, where do you find that in the Bible? Because the truth is, the Bible says, when, when a brother is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. See, the one thing we need to understand is, is that none of us have arrived. We're all going to have bad days. We're all going to go through situations. Listen, I want to be one of those people that when someone may fall or does fall, that I'm there to encourage them, not kick them while they're down. Look, there's no, Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life for the church. Do you think it pleases God that, that churches go around throwing people out of the church? By the way, that person, we didn't add those people to the body, God did. The Bible says God tempers the body together. God's the one that gives the increase. Who are we to take away from what God has done? Are you with me this morning? I'm just, look, I'm just telling you in love, we're not here to tear people down. We're here to pick, pick people up, all right? 
Now, sometimes we have to speak the truth, and the truth is not easy to hear sometimes, especially when it may be touching on our sin in our lives. But understand that if we say the truth, we need to say it in love. See, that's how, that's how we build. That's how we edify one another. We need to allow God to use us to do what? To build our friends, listen to this, not into what we want them to be, but into what God saved them to be. See, ask God to use you to help someone to be all that God wants them to be. I love a, a great illustration of this matter of edifying uh, the book of Esther, great book in the Old Testament of our Bible. And Esther, remember how, the whole plot of Haman, how Haman tricked the king and he, he ordered the destruction of all the Jews of the day. And uh, this plot of Haman had, had been carried out and uh, God began to use Esther. And remember how the king, uh, the law of the Medes and the Persians, when the king said something, that was it. There was no overturning it. There was no changing it. But God used Esther to touch the heart of the king. And can I tell you this morning, God can use you. And God can use us, all of us, to overturn that which man has done. So what happens? Well, you, if you've read the book, you know the story. Esther's bravery uh, what she did and what we, what we know of the outcome, it would have never been seen or never been shown if it wasn't for her older cousin by the name of Mordecai. Well, what did Mordecai do that made such a difference in Esther's lives? He shared some encouraging words with her. He edified her. Look at, the, look at what the Bible says here, a couple of verses out of Esther 4 in your notes there. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. In other words, what's going to happen to them, Esther, is going to happen to you. And he goes on to say, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, Mordecai says, look, Esther, God put you in this unique position. He get, he's given you a unique opportunity. Use that opportunity that God has given to you to make a difference. Listen, a godly friend has the power to increase the effectiveness of others. And how do we do that? Through words of edification. See, we can share words to edify them. Look, I don't believe in my heart that Mordecai was just, just giving Esther lip service. I don't think he was just saying things just to say things. I think he really believed that God had put Esther where she was for that time so that God could use her. And listen, all she needed was an encouraging word, a way to be built up, and that's what Mordecai did for Esther. Listen, God can use you to do that in other people's lives. Uh, you might not think so, but I'm telling you, God can use... Look at Proverbs 27, verse 9. Love this verse. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. See, when you hear something like, like Esther heard from Mordecai, you know, that, that helped her. That, that built her up. Now, listen, not in herself, 
but that God could do something with her life. And listen, as we, as we have opportunity, let's make sure that our counsel is sweet to our friends, that it's hearty counsel. Christ in his life, while he was on this earth, he consistently edified his disciples. Well, how did he do that? He did it through his example, his life, uh, his work, his words. Listen, why did Jesus do that? Why was he busy trying to edify those disciples of his? Why? Because he knew that there was going to come a time shortly that he was going to go to the cross. He was going to give his life. He was going to lay his life down for his friends. Now watch this. And the whole purpose of edifying them was because when he was gone back to be with the Father, that his work, God's work, was going to continue through them. Well, listen, God's work was not going to continue if Jesus was constantly going, Peter, you did it again. I can't believe it. How many times, Peter, am I going to have to tell you? Thomas, I can't believe you doubted me again. I mean, how do you think those guys would have been if Jesus would have constantly, you know, sometimes that's the way we are in our lives is we're always focusing on the negative. Hey, listen, let's build our, uh, one another up. Now, and now again, not to puff one another, but understand that God wants to use us. See, a friend encourages and a friend edifies. But notice secondly this morning, and I love this thought here in the Bible, this is a biblical principle, a friend goes the second mile. See, sometimes people will go a mile with you, but they'll say, listen, that's it, that's my limit. But I love this thought here, how friendship goes beyond the call of duty. It goes beyond more than is required. Matthew 5, 41, here's the principle. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile. How, how, how far did they ask you to go? A mile. Now look what the Bible says. Go with him twain. Now that's not talking about Mark Twain. That's talking about two, all right? And he says, look, if, if somebody asks you, to go a mile, don't stop there. Go another mile with them. And this is, this is a friend. Notice, first of all, what a friend does when they go the second mile. A friend fills needs. Uh, probably the greatest example outside of Jesus in the Bible is this story we oftentimes call the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. What kind of Samaritan? Good. That, that right there kind of gives you an idea of the, of the kind of individual that we're going to talk about here in Luke chapter number 10. Look at these verses. And I know you read this passage, but just a few verses to illustrate this. It's, it, the Bible says here, A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds. By the way, do you remember the priest and the Levite that came before the Samaritan? What did they do? They walked by on the other side. There's no compassion there. By the way, they saw, the, they saw everything that the Samaritan saw. And you know what that means? They saw that this individual had a need. But see, they weren't a friend to this person. You know, it's amazing. Because when you study the Bible, you know this, that Samaritans were not liked people by the Jews. They were looked down upon. They were half-breeds. And I, I, I think that oftentimes 
God has a sense of humor when you're, when you're reading through the Bible and you see this individual, the most unlikely of people. And you know, I think that many times in my life, how God has allowed me to do something or been an encourager to somebody or be a friend to somebody. And I know, I know this is true. I'm the most unlikely person. And yet God can use you in the very same way. And the Bible says this good Samaritan, he, he, he was journeying when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Look at it, it says, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast. You know what that means? He had to walk. The Bible says he put him on his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor or a friend unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto them, go and do thou likewise. Boy, I, if I look at that passage of the good Samaritan filling the need of that individual, he didn't go twain. He went like four, five, six, and seven. I mean, he just continued to, to do everything. He met every need of that individual. This Samaritan was good. Why? Because he filled the need of the man that was wounded there. See, the Samaritan, you know, uh, when I look at this story, here's what I think to myself. He didn't even really know this individual probably. Did you hear that? It, it, it wasn't like, hey, if I help him, what am I going to get out of this? It was, no, 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 I just want to be a friend to somebody that has a need. See, a friend fills the need of those that have a need in their lives. There's great examples of this in the Bible. Remember the story of Jonathan and David? Remember how Jonathan's father, what was his name? Saul. Remember how Saul really had it out for David? And how Jonathan was a friend to David? Jonathan risked his own life to warn David of the danger? How about this one? Jesus. Jesus meets our needs in so many ways. Jesus meets our needs physically. And, I, and there may be some here this morning. I was thinking before, I, and I texted before I came into the service this morning, Lillian Deneau's mom is having, having brain surgery this week. And I just texted her and said, hey, listen, just want you to know that I, I love your family and I'm praying for your mom. I was just trying to encourage her. You know, it didn't take much just to send a little text, but I guarantee you, it probably meant the world to her to get that. You know, to me, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big social media kind of person, but I'll tell you this, a lot of times, if God puts you on my heart, if I don't have time to pick up the phone and call you, if you, if you do text messaging, I'll just send you a little quick text. I know they always lift my spirits. I, I know that it helps whenever I have a need in my life, and Jesus meets our needs. He meets our physical needs. Jesus meets our emotional needs. But most of all, Jesus meets our spiritual needs. I love the song, what the songwriter wrote years ago, what a friend we have in Jesus. A friend meets needs. To be a second-mile friend, you have, to, you have to look for the needs of your friends. And once you see those needs then you need, you need to be willing to do something to meet those needs, to help fill those needs in their lives. And listen, this is I'm talking even before they ask you. The Bible says if they ask you to go a mile, go with them twain. Listen, see the need there in their lives 
and do what you can to fill that need before they even ask you. See, a friend is one that fills needs, but notice also a friend is patient. A second mile friend is patient. He doesn't give up on his friends. You ever had a friend like that, that, you know, your, your human nature is you just want to walk away from them. See, a real friend is there through thick and thin. You know, they, they don't give up on them. Jesus, think about how many times Jesus was patient with his disciples, long-suffering with them. Certainly, as Jesus got closer to Calvary, how that all the disciples forsook him, and he still came to them after he was resurrected. And I think about in my own life, how many times God has been patient with me God's been long-suffering with me. Aren't you glad that God's patient with us? Amen. See, look, if, if he is that kind of friend to us and we're a Christian, then we ought to be patient to others. Well, how do you do that? By being a friend to them. Aren't you glad in the Bible that God gave us 1 John 1, 9? Do you know the verse? He is faithful and just to forgive us of how much of our sins? Yeah. Yeah, to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All. So we can confess our sins. I, I love, uh, you think about this, how he keeps on forgiving us. Lamentations 3.22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. His mercies are new every day, the Bible says. See, see listen, you might have been like me. You might have made some mistakes yesterday. You know what God's got for you today? New mercy. He's that kind of friend. He's patient with us as he deals with us. A great illustration Isaiah brings out is like a potter who patiently shapes and, and molds the clay, reshapes it. Look at Isaiah 64, 8, and there's a lot of great verses, but this one says, Now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, thou art our potter, and we all are the work of thy hands. You know, that's what you are to God. You're just clay in the potter's hands. And uh, years ago, I hadn't heard that song in a long time, but a songwriter wrote a song, maybe you heard it, He Didn't Throw the Clay Away. Ever, ever heard that song? Yeah, yeah, only, only a couple folks. And, and, and the, the thought there is, you know, if you've ever, anybody ever messed with like ceramics or pottery or anything, like made, made something, um, what you do is once you, once you make it, it, it hardens or you put it in a kiln and you, you bake it and so on. And uh, once it's hard, it, you know, if it breaks, that's it. You can glue it back together. But you, when you think about what God can do in our lives, because he's God, he didn't, when we make mistakes, God doesn't say, look, I can't, it's broken. I can't do anything with us. That's not what God does with us. God begins to reshape our lives to make us into what he wants us to be. And he's so very patient with us like the potter. See, he has a purpose in mind for the clay. He has a purpose in mind for your life and mine. And although many times the clay or us, we don't cooperate, he does not throw that clay away. Here's, here's a couple of great illustrations. You've heard of uh, Michelangelo, right? The Sistine Chapel. Anybody know how long it took him to paint the Sistine Chapel? Four years. Patient. 
just kept working at it. Uh, when you th- ever, anybody ever been to Mount Rushmore? Yeah, you look at those, those sculptures, Mount Rushmore. It started with a father who actually died before it was finished. His son took over the project. And you think about patience, 14 years for them to do Mount Rushmore. You think about, uh, I, was, I was looking at some other things. One of them was the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. 36 years took to build it. Just patiently working. And you know, that's the way God is with us. We're all a work in progress, right? Every last one of us, God is patiently working. Our lives are a testimony to God's patience with us. And when, when you, in your life, and I'm sure this happens, when you start to get frustrated, maybe with someone, a friend in your life, just think of God. Think of how patient God is. Listen, if Michelangelo can be patient enough to paint one ceiling for four years, I think you could be patient with a, with a human being and, and invest in them. See, a, a friend goes the second mile and meets those needs and is patient. But notice thirdly this morning, a friend is faithful. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at how many times? All times. And a brother is born for adversity. You know, when I, when I think about this, and this happens sometimes, it look, it's not a pleasantry, but sometimes as a brother, as a friend, when somebody doesn't, uh, they're not doing what they ought to, sometimes in love, you may even have to bring about some rebuke in a person's life. Uh, I'm sure you've read in the, in the Bible where, where Peter was doing some things that he, that, you know, he was doing some things, and then when others came around, he stopped doing them and started doing something different. And remember how Paul uh, was stood him to the face and, and basically trying to help Peter understand. And uh, there, there are times in our lives where maybe a, a friend, I know I've had uh, some, somebody come to me and talk to me about things that wasn't pleasant or easy for me to hear, but I realized because of who it was coming from and the way it was being said to me that I needed to hear that. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Here's a great verse to illustrate it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hey, listen, don't don't get mad at them. When God brings somebody to you, remember remember what happened when Nathan went to David? Told him the things that that God wanted Nathan to share with David. And remember how David, David began to realize that he was wrong? God used Nathan to help him understand that. See, if your friend is heading in the wrong direction... Maybe God put you in their life to help them to turn around and come back to God. God can use you. A a friend is faithful. You have to be a friend that cares enough to confront. I sat down with Brother Kenny and Brother Chris the other day, and and I love both of those guys, and I'm, I'm constantly, just like others have done for me, I'm constantly trying to invest in them because I'm not getting any younger. You know, every time I leave here, people think, that I'm looking for somewhere to go. This is home, I'm not going anywhere. I'd be just fine with God if I stepped from this place into the portals of heaven. But I'll tell you this, that one of the things that God has impressed upon me is, is that if someone doesn't invest in those that are coming behind me, then who will? And so I sat down, I, I, usually about every week, I'll sit down with them and I'll teach them some biblical principles and lessons, some leadership things. 
And a lot of times it's things from my heart, things that have happened in my life, things that people have taught me. And one of the things that I, I taught them was, you know, and I, I don't know how you are, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you, most people by nature do not like to confront people. They really don't. But there are times where we, we have to. We need to. And, and, by the, and when you think about confronting others, it's confronting them the right way, with the right spirit, the right attitude. And, and I talked to him and I said, look, if you care about that person, as hard as it is, if you care enough about them as a friend, then you will talk with them about whatever it is. And this is, this is a friend that is faithful. God uses faithfulness, just like God used Nathan to bring David to the point of repentance in his life. See, a friend, a true friend, is somebody that's faithful. And then notice fourthly, and I love this, a friend is forgiving. You know why? Because everyone needs forgiveness. That includes this preacher. We all need to be forgiven from time to time. And I'm glad I've got some people in my life that my wife, she just keeps forgiving me 50 times a day. She keeps forgiving me, you know. And we need to demonstrate a forgiving spirit to others. Jesus forgave his disciples. It, listen, they abandoned him in the darkest hours of his life, and he still forgave them. How about this one? He's hanging on the cross. He's looking at the mob that yelled, crucify him, crucify them. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. That would have been a hard one for me to say, for they know not what they do. Certainly they knew what they were doing. And yet Jesus forgave them. We need to be like the Lord. We need to forgive others or we will not be forgiven ourselves. Did you hear that? There's a reciprocating principle that we see in Matthew 6. Look at it here in the great Sermon on the Mount. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many of you think it's good to forgive? You know, if you want to be forgiven then you need to learn to be a forgiver. That's, what, that's the principle here. Peter, in his life, is, and of course, a lot of things we could say, not picking on Peter, but just using him as a biblical example, Peter exhibited an unforgiving attitude in Matthew 18. Look at these verses. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him until seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until what? Seventy times seven. I mean, you look at that there. What was Jesus saying to him? Listen, long before Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> Jesus said to infinity and beyond. Right there. Till seventy. You know what he's saying? Don't keep counting, Peter. Just keep forgiving. You, we're not here, Peter, to, to keep scoring. By the way, Peter, look in the mirror, buddy. You're just as bad, if not worse, than the person that you're trying to condemn. 
Are you with me this morning? Am I talking to myself? Oftentimes we're like, but you don't understand what he's done. And Jesus says, look, you're all sinners. The only difference is you're saved by the grace of God. As long as we're in this flesh, we're prone to sin. And aren't you glad that we have a God who is a friend who goes on forgiving us? And we need to be a friend that continues to forgive others. Look at Matthew 5, early in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words, Love your, what? Enemies. Whoa, there's a different one. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. But if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect or mature, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Look, be a friend to those that, that listen, may, may not be doing what they should. He says, just be a friend that is forgiving even to those that don't deserve it. You ever done that sometimes? Forgive someone and they didn't deserve to be forgiven? But that's the way God wants us to be. Look in Ephesians 4.32. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And here's the example. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. See, a friend, being a friend to others. There are people out there that need a friend. And God's allowed us to build relationships with others to sharpen and to encourage and, and what? To, to encourage them and challenge them to walk closer to God. We can be the difference maker to help somebody to walk closer to God if we would just encourage them, edify them, be a friend to them. As a friend to a friend, we need to help fulfill others' needs in their lives. God wants to use us to be an influence in their lives. And, and look, and the greatest example, if, if you're like, well, I just don't know what to do or how to be a friend, then look to the life of Jesus and watch how he was a friend to others. Jesus sat down with publicans and sinners. He was a friend to them. Here's a fair question. We're a church, and the church is the ecclesia, called out assembly, saved people. How will the unsaved ever get saved? Anybody know? What? Hearing the word. By being a friend to them. Do you think anybody's going to come to this church? unless somebody is friendly towards them, who invites them. Listen, when you invite them to church, you're really inviting them to meet Jesus. I'm sure glad that years ago, 35 years ago, when I didn't have a true friend, that somebody invited me 
to come to church. And when I came, I knew that I was welcome because my friend asked me to come to church. That's what we need to be for others. Hey, it's wonderful to be at church. I love our church. I love each one of you. You may not love me, but I love you. But I'll tell you this. There's not a person that would walk through those doors today, no matter what's in their life, no matter what sin they're living in, that we shouldn't be a friend to them. Because if we're a friend to them, then they just might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, let's be a friend, not just to those we know, but even to those that maybe to the world standards don't deserve it, but in God's eyes, yes, they do. They deserve to have a friend, a true friend. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for those that you have used in my life to be a friend to me. Pray that you'd help us to see the needs in others' lives and not just to see a need, but also to try to fill that need, be patient with them, to encourage them, to edify them. And Lord, again, we're so thankful that you have been so faithful to us and you have forgiven us in so many ways. Lord, help us to be faithful to you, be faithful to our friends, Lord, and most of all, to have a forgiving spirit. In Christ's name we pray.